Hi there. I'm Anne-Marie McQueen, editor of livehealthy.ae, and this is the livehealthy.ae podcast. Each week, we will interview leaders in the UAE's health and wellness community, and we'll explore topics you read about in our online magazine, the only one of its kind for men and women. And now it's time to meet this week's guest. Today on the podcast, we have Chef Islam. He is the chef and culinary trainer at the European International College in Abu Dhabi. Chef Islam also has years of experience in places like the Sheraton Resort in Algeria. He's also worked in multiple places around the Emirates, such as Zuma and Maison Matisse in Raven Ranches, Dubai, just to name a few. So we've collaborated with Chef Islam recently. We got together at the college to shoot some videos of us creating some healthy milkshakes. We also made some uh, healthy desserts for Ramadan, like kanafa and khalfarouj. We had to put that on hold, of course, due to the COVID-19 situation. But instead of waiting till uh, we film again, we decided to get together today and talk a bit about talk a bit more about the dishes we prepared, uh, why they're healthier, the recipe, the ingredients that go into them. We want to talk about the other options that you can make at home as well during this time uh, in Ramadan with lockdown. A lot of us have more time to make uh, food at home, to bake or to cook. Uh, we want to talk a bit more about other recipes for iftar, suhoor, foods that are low in the glycemic index or low GI, that keep you feeling fuller and more energetic, more energetic for longer during the day. We're also going to talk about uh, what the food and beverage industry looks like after COVID-19. First of all, I'd like to know, this is not only your first Ramadan uh, under lockdown, but for all of us, this is, this is something very new. Uh, in the midst of COVID-19, uh, restrictions have been eased, but we're, still at, we're more or less still at home. And some people are adhering more than others to being at home during Ramadan. So I wanted to get your perspective. What's your experience been like so far this Ramadan? Well, obviously, we, you know, when we do Ramadan and we fast, obviously, we put ourselves in a mindset of, um, you know, trying to remove temptations and things like that. Now, obviously, now the way our mind has to be, our body now is because now we are physically restricted. So I think in the beginning, uh, I think because lockdown fell before Ramadan, it it's actually was easier to incorporate the two. I think if it was a matter of uh, we started Ramadan and then lockdown, then it would have been, I think, for me, it would have been more of an adjustment. But I just kind of took it in strides, you know. I have I have my things I do at home, work-wise, and obviously then mental preparation for Ramadan, and then obviously um, you know preparation for iftar and all that. So it's in the beginning it was it was interesting to adjust, but now obviously we've you know, we're quite a few days in. Um, now it's basically more just more of a pattern, I say. Okay, and, and that's interesting. You mentioned uh, working from home. How how has that been? And I understand you're the you're the Chef and culinary trainer at the European International College. How has that been working from home or working remotely? Yeah, obviously the um, the challenge I have with training is obviously I cannot do physical training with students. I've I've uh, I've had some requests from students for actually uh, outside students that have been doing training with me before. So I've done some uh, basically where I would do 
I would do a quick video clip where I would basically show them all the ingredients we're going to do. And this, I would send them a day in advance. Mm -hmm. So if they wanted to cook along, they could. If they just wanted to observe and take notes, they could as well. So then the second video, I would then basically uh, show how I do all the preparations. I would show an ingredient, maybe I'm cutting it, and I give some verbal instruction and then some video cues. And then obviously I go into the process of, of cooking, but I would do it uh, almost in a slide. So basically the first thing they would see is the is the finished dish. I would give some instruction and then I would see maybe um, chopping onions and then I would show them how to chop onions um, safely. So then based on, you know, if I know the students have got good skills, then uh, the instruction is obviously less. The, the, the less skills they have, the more instruction I do. And then obviously I will then go on maybe click meeting or even Zoom. And then I would show them the video with comments and then I would basically discuss uh, what I was doing and I can give them um, even further instructions. And then for the theory classes, obviously I have pre prepared the PowerPoint um, presentations already. So I would again go on to one of the e-learning uh, formats and then I would basically discuss the slides and then, you know, ask questions and give discussions. And then for any any uh, assessments I need, I will obviously create a, a project or assignment which I would send to the students. Obviously discuss again via the e-learning uh, format. And then obviously once it's ready, they would send it to me and I would grade it as such. So that's how the, the teaching has changed um, to be more you know, through the computer, as I say. Okay, very interesting. So I just want to get that straight. So it's 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 a mixture of live teaching and, or is it just you giving instructional videos? There's some live, and then there's obviously some uh, pre-recorded, edited, and then basically used in an instructive manner. Okay, has that been has that worked out so far with the students? Well, I I did uh, I did I trialed two recipes before Ramadan, but then with Ramadan coming, it's it's kind of difficult because I'm like I don't mind fasting and cooking in presentation because I've done it before, but I don't know how the students would manage that. So I basically uh, put that aside. So after Ramadan, and then I cannot obviously get get ready with, into it. Okay, and. Uh... During Ramadan, has there been anything you guys have done differently in terms of cooking? Like, is there any, are there any certain dishes you focus on this month, or is it just um, not dishes specifically? What I what I what I would what I did was in in South Africa we do uh, like beef snacks where you actually take beef, you trim it, and then you pickle it with vinegar, and I added soy sauce and some spices, and then I would hang it in the fridge, and then obviously it would dry. And then that you can eat as a snack. So that's uh, called Bolton. That's the only, only thing I've done because it, it takes a few days to do and it's a bit more interesting. Um, yeah, not, other than that, nothing nothing different. Okay. It's very interesting. Now, for me personally, in Ramadan, I'm always looking for healthy snacks I can have, alternatives to things that are really sweet. Like I prefer something which is more perhaps organic or free of sugar. Uh, something before evening workouts. What do you what do you propose in, in that case? Have you done anything like that? Um, snack wise, it's basically um, for me. It, it it depends on my mood because, for instance, if I do when I have iftar, I know that I'm going to have iftar and I'm going to go outside afterwards and maybe I'll meet up with friends. So I'm not going to eat a large meal. So my meals have been kind of snack snack food based. So I would you know I would have fruit. Um, maybe I would have some of this just dried beef that I make. This is almost like a beef jerky. Um, maybe a, a, maybe some, you know, even like um, noodle cakes, which basically is 
it's like noodles, but it's dried in a cake with spice, little spice. Something that's quick, obviously, because I'm I'm staying on my own, so I'm not basically cooking with other people or, or you know, cooking with family. So for me, uh, it's nice and quick. It's easy. Um, and then obviously, there's a lot of yogurt. I you know I eat a lot of yogurt. Um, things that I know is healthy, low fat, um, and it's quick to eat, and it's it's not heavy in my stomach because if you um, you know you add mistake you can make is drink too much liquids, have too many starchy foods. That's why we have this, uh, you know, you feel bloated and uncomfortable. Um, so that's, yeah, that's basically what I, what I do. So that's good. You mentioned the foods that people typically make the mistake of eating things that are uh, make you feel bloated or things that are too spicy. Uh, what do you think is that, what dishes do you normally break, your fa break the fast with? And what is the ideal thing to break the fast with uh, for Ramadan? Yeah, getting getting back to that, I think um, people miss the point of you know you're, you're fasting all day and they forget that you know your stomach has been empty, your body is is kind of in a in a stress because you've been fasting. So now they they they're eating too quickly because again normally we we have a certain uh, certain meal we eat certain quantity. So then our body obviously uh, our, our our stomach can manage it. Now obviously it's less. So um, you know, obviously you still, you have your dates, um, maybe some dried fruits that have been soaked in. You know, you soak it overnight with boiling water. But something that something that's a little bit sweet, that's easy to eat. Um, obviously, you can have your, you know, your, your types of juices that fresh fresh fruit juices just just to start. But again, look at smaller quantities because you you, you want to just get over that initial breaking of the fast, and then you try to relax a little bit before you eat. It's more a time you have to manage the time better. Uh, eat a little bit slower. Eat smaller quantities. Eat uh, low, you know, fresh juices, not uh, canned juices or bottled juices. Things with low sugar, because the mistake people make also is they go for the sweet items. So what happens? You're, you're, you've been fasting all day. Your blood sugar is going down, down, down. Now you're adding a lot of sugar. So you get a, an immense spike of sugar, and then when the spike comes down, you have this negative feeling, this empty feeling, like the, the you know, because obviously it's like a sugar low. And that's why also people feel sometimes uh, very sleepy and very, you know, lethargic. So it's basically trying to balance the the, the, the portions you eat, eat it at slower pace, and obviously look at at the things that take longer time to to break down. It obviously gives you gives you satiety, but you know, this like um, low GI foods, which obviously take longer time in your body to break down and, and then support your your blood sugar for a longer period of time. Yeah. That's a very good point. That's a mistake most people make. Actually, is they, they they think they're eating something healthy, or like dates or juice, but they don't realize that they're getting a canned or 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 uh, a processed product, and that has a product than if it's uh, if it's natural. So, I think it goes back to knowing what you're buying. You know, if it's something uh, homemade, homegrown, or if it's something that's and processed comes in a bag. How can you spot it easily? I mean, some people who don't don't read the packet, don't read the label, but how can you spot that difference in what's good and what's bad? If you're looking at an orange, two orange juices, for instance, how do you know? How can you? How can someone differentiate between the two? The the good thing we have now here is it's been mostly this year and last year where fruit juice companies have basically first they had a range of various fruit juices with with relative high levels of sugar. For I'd say the last two years, they've started putting in products where they would say reduced sugar or no sugar added. And it's actually very, very good because on the label, there's usually a, a large 
area that's 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 colored in that says no sugar added or reduced sugar. Where if you put the original one next to it, the label is exactly the same, except for this big, um, it's almost like a warning sign in the middle that says there's no sugar in this drink. Yeah. Um, and I buy a lot of those drinks because again, I because I, for me sugar is the big thing that if when I gain weight it's because of the sugar. Um, and I've tried those drinks and taste-wise. There's no, not much different. Obviously, it's not as sweet, but it, it has a more natural taste to it because it's not pure sugar. Mm. Where uh, all packaged package products are concerned, again, the problem there you have is maybe it's, if it's savory, it has too much salt. But there, the only thing, only way to see it is if you look at the list of ingredients. Uh, if salt is very, very high on the top in the list, and obviously the higher the item, the, the more percentage the, the item is in the ingredients. Um, but I think it's also just experience and people have to ask more questions and they want to know, you know, there's always someone in the supermarket who would have some information. So my my advice is ask if you don't know and, you know, be be informed, um, you know, look online, you know, be interested. And also the getting back to Ramadan and fasting, the, the mindset should be that it's not just I, um, I look at myself and what I'm thinking, what I'm eating for or not eating for those hours of sunlight it should be a matter of when the minute we start fasting first day our mindset should be that way even when we are breaking the fast because it's not a matter of oh now if i stop fasting i can just do i can go crazy i can do what i want that's beside the point it has to be you know you have to carry that energy throughout everything that you do um for that period of, of, the, of the month obviously it's only one month a year obviously we need to be um you know be disciplined on ourselves i'd say uh, definitely should take the time to take reap the health benefits that come with with fasting. But something very interesting yeah. you mentioned the dates and fruits. This reminds me of the dishes we created together uh, a few months ago. We made some dishes that would that were inspired by Ramadan, uh, like yeah. the rosh and the kanafa. Uh, what can you say about those in, in a time like this? How, how where do these fit in? Do you think these are these are, these are good foods to have now? And why do you think that they're, they're such a good uh, alternatives to other desserts well coming back to the kunafa the kunafa um like i, I looked at some uh ramadan desserts ones that i've made before and ones i i do like um obviously the kunafa is one of my favorite ones because i like texture and because you can you can reduce the fat in the sense of the butter and the sugar that you basically mix with the raw kunafa before you bake it you can obviously reduce that so if you um just by the way you're cooking it, because if you cook it for a little bit lower temperature, a little bit longer, it becomes more crispy and it has a natural, uh, natural toast, a natural fried flavor to it almost. So you can reduce those. Um, but again, uh, for Ramadan, we must remember why we, you know, why we are doing the fasting. It's it's got to be a matter of fine. I'm reducing um, the fat and the sugar. So taste-wise, I'm not expecting that level. So I must, you know, I must be uh, happy for that. But again, another one I was looking at was uh, just just I was looking at some just researching uh, a dish I used to do a lot is like um, um, umali. Now the problem with umali is obviously you have the puff pastry which has got a lot of fat in, and obviously you have the you have the milk and the cream. So maybe do um, a variation if you have um, pillow pastry. Maybe you can pre-bake it in, in 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 slabs or discs, and then you can make like a like a mualabia. And then take the mualabia and then layer the mualabia. Uh, obviously, make sure there's 
you have your rose water, you have your orange balsam water, and then layer that with the phyllo, and then maybe put some toasted pistachios in between. Because again, it's it's almost going to be like an umali, but uh, you, you know, it's going to be a bit more healthy. Okay. So you know, for, for the dessert-wise, I would say that uh, that's a change I would make. Coming back to the item we did with the kunafa, um, we did the nice cream. Um, we also did the milkshake. Um, yeah, if, if I had the, if, you know, if I had all the facilities where I am staying and I could make those things, I would, I would, you know, I would love to do them. Obviously, I'm chef. For the normal person, um, you know, they could try those. They could try those dishes. They could try the the milkshake, uh, the banana and ice cream, because the end result is much nicer than you expect for the limited amount of sugar, limited amount of fat we've actually put in there, because it's just um, you know, just using the natural, the natural ingredients, the natural the berries, the bananas, um, just to give you, you know, just get the natural flavors from the ingredients. Yeah, I think that's what made it so delicious as well, is the, the, the natural part of it, you know. Uh, yeah. After a while of just eating foods that are not processed, I kind of grew, grew accustomed to eating. You start, you start to prefer them over the things with extra sugar, and it's lovely because you enjoy them to an to a limit, and uh, you don't have as much cravings because uh, yeah. foods that are high in sugar and uh, processed with sweeteners do trigger those cravings. So I think that's what's so nice about them. Uh, my personal favorite is the Khan Farouch, actually, which uh, typically it's, it's, it's quite heavy. It's not, it's, not very, uh, it's not a very healthy dessert. I mean, it's high in carbs and sugar, but we made it so that it, it came out more like a pancake. And it was, uh, it, was, it was quite light. It was very light, actually. And coupled with the, with the date syrup, so it was no no uh, added sugar. It was all natural sugars only, and it was delicious. I think. And I think with the flowers, we used um, a low um, a low protein flour. So for those that have um, you know allergies to um, to gluten, um, which obviously you know then adds a few more people in that can actually enjoy that dessert rather than using normal flour, which has got a lot of gluten. Okay. Would you say these desserts, uh, if they were vegan or they could be made vegan? Uh, uh, basically, well, any of the ones that had that usually have fat, obviously you replace the butter with margarine or um, like coconut butter or things like that. If there is any eggs in there, then obviously you need to look at just changing the protein. Um, so obviously any, anything from the, the animal origin, origin, you would just have to replace with something else. And in today's uh, society, it's you know, so easy to find replacements. There's so many recipes online you can try. Again, it is basically trying a recipe with new ingredients and see how you like that for taste. Um, because again, with a lot of people, they have a taste in mind that they enjoy from a product that has all these other, these, you know, these non-vegan ingredients. Now, if they change to a vegan uh, recipe best is to do a trial on the recipe see how it comes out and then decide how you want to use it because it's going to be obviously there's going to be some difference and people have an expectation which they first have to trial and see what what is the expectation versus what it's giving them and see because you can't change those recipes without adding those ingredients back it's just it's basically a flavor uh, profile or a texture profile depending on what what they like okay Okay, that's interesting. The reason I'm asking if they can be made vegan or it's an alternative, because I, I, after coronavirus, the outbreak and everything, uh, that's a that's a topic now. Is people are wondering what what in, what everything will look like after 
COVID-19, but also what food it looked like, what food production looked like, food sustainability, agriculture, agricultural techniques. Uh, what people, we see a day where people uh, stray away from eating meat and more towards being vegan, because it has been a topic discussed for years, even before coronavirus, and if, that, if that's a more sustainable or safer way to live. So do you see that happening in the future? Do you see more people uh, going towards being vegan or at least relying less on meats? What do you think, as, as, as from a chef's perspective? I think well, what I what I'm what I'm seeing in how food trends are going, um, with with meat products, obviously getting, you know, it's not a, it's not a it's not a cheap meal uh, item. So obviously it's getting more expensive, and the, the health risks are there for consuming you know a large large amount of meat in your diet. And uh, the younger the younger generations, they are being they are more informed about the health risks, they are more informed about the other options that are there. And obviously they, the, the younger generation is more, they're more keen to actually experiment with uh, trying you know, being vegetarian or vegan. Um, and obviously they, because again, there's so much, there's so much choice. For, for, so it's easier to go that way. I think the older generations, not so much. I think um, maybe just for, for sustaining their health, they might, um, they might do some trials with vegan diets, but I think as the generations are going on, um, the younger the younger generation trends will, I think, go into that direction, like you said, to be more vegan um, because of the health benefits and you know, the way the world is going. And uh, do you think that it's actually a better way to go in terms of being vegan, or is it? Uh, do you think it depends more on the individual, or is it affecting society on a larger scale? Uh, I would say it's going to depend on the individual. Um, depending on the, the individual and obviously the social grouping they find themselves in. And obviously, you know, keto diets are cool, vegan diets are cool. It is, it is a, an individual thing as well as a, as a social thing. So I think, um, I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to affect in that sense where it, it is, you know, it's, it's perceived as a much better lifestyle. Um, because again, uh, the food you eat is kind of the lifestyle that, you, that you're living. And, you know, looking at people that are younger, that are healthier, that are eating, you know, keto and 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 uh, these types of diets. So it's it's something that people aspire to. So I think it's it, it will definitely develop more. Personally, I I've tried a bit of vegan. Food. I'm I, I'm not vegan, but in terms, whenever I feel like having dessert or something sweet, I've always I kind of made it a rule. Where I just eat vegan desserts because uh, just to be safe of any. First of all, I don't eat dairy, so that's one thing. No dairy and uh, no sugar and and it feels pretty good after you eat it. You don't feel that the the kind of repercussions or <laughs> or the negative effects of eating sugar, but it still tastes great. So it depends on, like I said, it depends on the person and uh, if that'll be accessible to everyone. If everyone will be able to have that, uh, not all restaurants do serve vegan options. But that's something which I do see growing more often. More. It it is nice to when you go to a restaurant and there is those options and you are pleasantly surprised by. Uh, you know what you get, the flavors you get, and the you know, ingredients you might not actually use at home. Uh, how they use them, how they present them, you know how it tastes, how the texture. Because again, we you know we we look at a dish, we have a perception. Then we obviously, if there is an aroma, we smell it. Then we obviously we taste it, and then there's a texture experience. So um, if the dish can obviously um, please all those areas, uh, it will win. And and even even going to where they actually producing uh, meat-free burger-style products where 
um, it's done in such a way that it's almost difficult to to actually taste the difference because obviously they can they can add flavor profiles and things like that. So because food is becoming more and more uh, produced, you know, food production is, is obviously the technology is developing. You are going to see more of these products that have got uh, texture profiles of meat products, but it's it's pure vegan because of the way obviously it's manufactured and you know using uh, like uh, mushroom protein to make um, you know vegan style meat products, and it's been done for quite a while already. Yeah, so that has been something which has been around for a while. I think it's like I said, it's more of a social uh, social factor, and uh, it's becoming more 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 uh, popular amongst people, and that's what kind of brought it into light. I think. Um, now the, the the problem I'm I'm just my, pops into my mind now. Obviously, now our society is becoming Desocialized yes. uh, with social distancing. So, are we? You know, how is that going to affect how our, our 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 eating habits are affected by social interaction? That's another question. Obviously, that we'll have to see um, because because now you're at home, uh, working from home. So, do you have the time? Do you have the the one to always cook? Uh, is it not easy just to pick up the phone and call whichever uh, delivery service is available? Uh, but then what's good on that side is, again, there's so many services that they will deliver. You know, you get a basket of all fresh fruits and vegetables as your, you know, as your order. So, um, again, it's it's how we interact socially through technology now to, again, stimulate how we, uh, we interact with food and you know, diets. Yeah, that's a very good point, actually. This, this socializing, I'm happy you brought it up because uh, I feel people, the way people eat has changed a lot. During lockdown, I don't now even with restrictions, these people still are different. It, it, it's not, it, it's it feels like it's not going to be the same even when things do get a lot better. It's definitely going to be a different sort of way of doing things. Um, one thing, for instance, that people just were binge eating a lot and emotional eating, and you had people uh, who were cooking a lot and just why why do you think that happens? Why do people stick sticks too much so much to Eating more or emotionally eating, uh, of course, that goes with psychology. But how do you, uh, from a chef's perspective, how, what do you see? Why do you see that happens often? It's okay. So in the situation where I had people are, uh, you know, they have to spend more time at home on their own. Those that do not have, you know, are not living with others, um, because we are social people. Food becomes a friend mm -hmm. because it, um, because so you have your day. And you they have so many hours, so you have to basically create. You obviously have the work hours that you do, so those are taken up. You have the sleep hours you have, those are taken up. Then there's going to be hours in between that you obviously have to fill up with um, things that use that time. So eating is going to be one of them because the the time that belongs to you after you've worked and slept is you know you're going to try and fill them with whichever pleasures you want, and food is going to be one of those. So I think the chance for um, Overeating when people are not fasting, I think is is there. So because again, it's 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 comfort, it's comfort eating, and like I said, it becomes almost a friend because it gives pleasure. Exactly, it's a very good point. How, is there any way you think this can be reduced through the the, the type of food you can make? Uh, is are there any foods that reduce cravings or reduce uh, what kind of? Um, like I said, it's it's the way I see it, or the way I'm experiencing it, it is. Um, again, I do, for instance, the, the dried beef snacks I, I make. I do them because they take a lot of time. 
So it, it takes up a lot of the time that I have that I free with something. Sometimes I don't have anything to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the the way you we can do it is if if um, if using the you know the e-learning uh, platforms or the or the, the social media platforms where we create more um, social social interaction through these mediums where we have types of, of cookery training or cooking shows or cooking entertainment where people actually want to try those dishes um, because obviously we have to wrap them up in a way that it's easy to prepare the, the ingredients are easy enough to to find so if I want to do this then I would say, then I would go I would research okay which companies I could get these ingredients delivered from so that will be part of my uh, my pitch to those that watch me online then showing the preparation how easy it is and showing colorful ways how to um, decorate them more like that so it's easy to to get hold of the ingredients I've done the research so it's easy for people they just take the link of my website the instructions are easy to do they can follow they can sit so it has to be um, part of an entertainment the way that the YouTube channels are entertaining um, you have to make an entertainment where people actually want to watch and make it so easy that they 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 just can't cannot not try them that's how I see it okay and for those of you who understand but yeah. then obviously there are going to be those that that still they do what they do sometimes they'll they'll follow a recipe and you know get the benefits of it sometimes they'll just do what they they want so again it's in what mood are they in um all these types of things okay that's interesting yeah because you said that for some food becomes their friend but if you if you if you take food and make it into something where people get to go online and learn new way new methods and cook things that are healthy and delicious healthy desserts that kind of adds to the social aspect and makes it fun and, and then yeah. the person has to uh feel uh has to face any binge eating or emotional eating but it's more like an experience and 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 kind of food being a friend but in a healthy way without overdoing it without overeating uh moderation yeah. yes okay, yeah i think it's it's, it's somehow you know looking at rethinking the the social connection people have with food and you know how those of us that have some knowledge about food and some knowledge about preparation, you know, how we can, um, you know, take our passion and put it into making entertainment and then uh, inspiring people to actually want to try those those things themselves. Okay, very good. And you mentioned something about uh, when we were talking about the dishes we made together a few months back. Um, we had the milkshake, I remember, the Instagram milkshake. It, uh, yeah. That was technically uh, that was definitely much healthier than shakes we other milkshakes we find in the market today because it, it was natural it was natural fruit uh, no added sugar uh, I remember that we were supposed to do a video of uh, milkshakes for Sukhul that that hasn't happened yet because of uh, the lockdown and the quarantine but we were supposed to do something with avocado so now talking about Sukhul sometimes me personally I find this as a, a struggle to have a short eating window. As a person who works out as well, what can I what can I have quickly, like a smoothie or something very quick to, to make at home? Uh, I can have it after working out, and then be ready to go into the next day, where I wake up in the morning, I go to work from the morning to the evening, and I'm fasting. So it's a long day, is what I mean. So what what food or what smoothie do you do you recommend for that? Um, well, I looked at some some uh, ingredients now again like I said before if if we want something that gives us uh, you know more power for longer because again we have 
yeah, we have sewer and then we have to fast till, till the evening. So things with the low GI, so low GI, as I said before, so these have, uh, obviously the smoothie, in our mind, the smoothie has to be sweet. So um, in the sense of not uh, sugary sweet, but not vegetable savory. So, um, so low GI foods, foods that obviously have longer time that need to be digested and slowly is releasing the, the sugars into the blood. Uh, fruits I looked at is, is like fresh figs, um, and then also the, the, the apricots, dried apricots. So again, we're going to soak them beforehand. Um, um, and then low-fat Greek yogurt, blend that together. And then blueberries for color and maybe some banana for the texture. Now, obviously, depending on the flavor you want from these ingredients, uh, we'll adjust the ratio. If you want, if you get really, really good fresh figs, you're obviously going to peel them. Um, and then puree them with uh, the apricots. The apricots obviously give you some texture as well as the bananas. Um, the blueberries, like I said before, when we were doing the videos, if you want the color, you'd have to just basically uh, boil them in a little bit of water just so the color comes out of the skin. And then you can add them. But, you know, it's, it's basically just any fruit that is got a low low GI, uh, yogurt for obviously for um, a bit of protein. Um, and you can obviously add, uh, you know, other proteins in if you want. If you want to add, uh, obviously, if you are... Um, you know, vegan, obviously, you can't add eggs, but if you're not vegan, maybe you could just put an egg yolk in there. Um, if it's something that you're going to basically just make it and, and take immediately, yeah, like something like that. Okay, yeah. Uh, what about protein powders? Can you add protein powders as well with it? Or? You, you can add, obviously, you have to just uh, research protein powders. I don't have um, much experience on protein powders, basically, you know, what actually goes into them. Um, some of them might have. Um, animal animal products. So again, if you are vegan, obviously you have to look at ones maybe that have got um, non-animal products. So maybe if we look at this milkshake, maybe you can add spinach leaves, mm -hmm. and obviously you can add avocado. Because it'll give because the spinach is not going to give you that much of a taste. It'll just give you the color, and it'll give you it'll basically raise the um, the protein percentage. Okay, very good. So you don't think like oats. Maybe if you take oats and you just dry them in the oven. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe add some honey over that, and then basically blend that in, almost like um, um, like a breakfast bar, but you're not compacting it. You're using the ingredients to make um, make your smoothie. Okay. So with these ingredients you talked about, like low, all the low GI foods, uh, fresh figs, Greek yogurt, bananas, uh, the proteins. This goes into making a super smoothie, which. Uh, it's easy to make, uh, easy to drink, and it keeps you full for the for the day, right? It, it keeps you nourished, at least. Yeah, and again, it's something you can either, um, for instance, if you take the figs, um, the berries, and the banana, and you dice them up and you freeze them um, today, and then tomorrow, tomorrow morning when you're going to you know, prepare it, you basically just put it in the blender with your yogurt and your honey, and it is cold already because of its ice. So obviously, it's more um, and it's easier to drink. Yeah, and it, and it tastes good as well. You, these, are, these are nice. You have figs, apricots, this is all food that tastes good as well. So it's a way to have something healthy, but enjoy it as well. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned low GI foods. Why? Uh, can you explain why low GI foods are very important uh, when it comes to fasting, especially? Okay, so um, when you get hungry, what hunger is, is uh, your body experiences a period where 
the, the sugar in your blood is at a low level. Now, if you're going to add raw sugars, as in um, raw sugar or products with added sugar, what's going to happen is your, your body is going to quickly uh, consume those and quickly put them into the, the blood. So your blood sugar is going to basically uh, quickly spike and then it's going to come down very quickly. So there's no, it's like um, you have, a, you have a, a dam, you break the wall, so there's a quick rush of water and then it's all dry. Mm -hmm. So what you want to have is you basically, okay, so so high GI foods is, a, is a, a dam wall that's very, very high, so you break the wall, there's a lot of water quickly and then there's nothing. Where a low GI is a, is a dam with a very short wall but a very long, very long dam. So basically that means it's, in low GI foods, you have your more complicated starches, so your body takes a long time to digest them. So as your body is digesting, it's putting it into the blood, digesting sugars into the blood. So it's more consistent. Okay. It's like uh, with, with the car, when you have your, your foot on the pedal, uh, a very medium, and it, the car drives simple. Now, if you, with high GIs, you put your foot Put down and the car drives very fast, very quickly, and all the petrol is finished. It comes on the same um, same scenario. The, the higher the GI, the more sugar is available immediately for your body to use, and your body will take it. Um, and then the low GI is there's a lot of sugar, but it, it needs to be digested. It's more complicated, so it takes longer time for it to be released to your blood. And that gives you for um, you know for sustenance, basically you can uh, work longer. With that low GI, because you have more, you have longer period of energy in your day. So maybe one, two, three hours uh, after you've eaten, you still have uh, energy going to your blood. Where the high GI, after the first half an hour, is all gone. Yeah, this kind of goes to the theme of being sustainable and uh, uh, in, in a kind of smaller scale, but just knowing what to eat that will keep you full for the day, but also not overdo it, because that could yeah. uh, that could counter. That could be counterproductive, I think. Uh, there have been times, I don't know, where uh, personally I made the mistake of eating even healthy foods, uh, drink support, but if I overdo, overdo it just a little bit, then I wake up not feeling so good, feeling a bit lethargic. It kind of makes me feel worse uh, in a way. Yeah. I think it's it, it to monitor also how much to, to be, to have that moderation always. I think we need to, we need to take uh, iftar and basically rethink about it in the sense of how we can educate the next generations to have, you know, you have your initial uh, breaking of the fast and the things you, you you should eat and for a very short period of time and you have a break and then obviously other foods are consumed. So it has to be a social thing that is obviously, um, you know, in, imprinted on our families, how you know, how we interact with our families with Iftar and how we teach the younger ones how to be more, um, you know, smart about eating and, and, and consumption during, during Iftar. This is to feel good. healthy and to, to feel stronger. That's a very good point because I think throughout the years the, the, the meaning of Ramadan and Iftar or how we're supposed to approach it has, has always uh, hadn't had the healthiest uh, approach. And I yeah. don't know where to say where that comes from. And I think a lot of it, uh, me personally having worked in the food and beverage industry with uh, in hospitality, a lot of it is, is, is just uh, is marketing and, uh, and uh, consumerism and Companies trying to take advantage of the month, so people are influenced by the ads they see and the foods they see and buffets, which are absent this year. 
which I think is a positive thing <laughs> for us. Yeah, I've forgotten about that. The professor absent this year. I didn't think about that. Yeah. I remember years, I, I've, I've been in Abu Dhabi since about 2010. And the first maybe 10 years I've worked in the hotels here. And then every year, you obviously, you have your preparation for Ramadan. You have your preparation for Iftar. You do the buffets. And um, the interesting thing was always when you have dishes on the table and obviously people have started filling up their plates and obviously you have to refill so you have to remove that plate and bring another one sometimes the reactions from the guests were sometimes a little bit aggressive because uh they wouldn't want to understand they have to just give you a minute because you're going to bring you're going to refill that that platter that has got lobster or whatever on um so yeah i think in some cases the the hunger makes people mad a little crazy sometimes um and but that's human nature yeah, it's very interesting actually. I was reading an article re recently, uh, it was about buffets, and not even here, it wasn't about Ramadan, it was buffets in the States and how the COVID-19 kind of not only stopped, put them on pause for now, but for the future, even afterwards, they might not uh, not be very popular anymore because people, people realized how uh, how difficult or how unhygienic they can be sometimes. You yeah. Know? Yeah, in the States, they uncovered, like, they just noticed people just being very close to food, you know, people are sneezing or touch or like grabbing things with their hands. So it was uh, even without coronavirus, it was something which was uh, wasn't the best approach. And, and I personally don't know, don't see them becoming very popular after this. From your perspective, how do you feel? Do you feel that that, that they're going to become? Yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm thinking. I'm thinking now. How can I reinvent the buffet to be more like um, a table service? So basically, you would have individual tables where people would book and then the dish would be only for them but again um you know do you know your neighbor who's sitting with you do you know what are their habits you know what are their hygiene habits so again there's still going to be that question in your mind so um you know i have to agree with you there's going to be people are going to think twice about um you know especially in america because obviously you know they are they are the hardest hit country at the moment with uh, with victims um officially so yeah, i think it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna change people's mindset dramatically so for those people that have um that have the smarts to actually find solutions for that and business solutions for that um that'll be a great opportunity definitely yeah so i mean maybe it'll come at a higher cost or at uh might feel strange at first, but definitely big companies will have uh, companies will have to adapt to it. Uh, yeah. the hospitality industry, I know that the food and beverage one especially is one that has to be proactive, not only reactive. So I have to really always think on ways to kind of think of the future and what thing what issues might arise from certain things. And what's interesting is the delivery service and the express service that we're seeing is very popular now. Uh, from food and beverage, I always from the insights. It was always uh, known or or forecasted to overtake or one day become the norm instead of having a lot of physical restaurants, and that's without coronavirus or any sort of pandemic happening. And now that's only accelerated that. So do we see? You think we see more uh, kind of restaurants uh, that are only online with no physical presence, no no actual uh, seating or dine-in service, and more takeaway delivery? Do you see that happening or? What what could be interesting is if you have um, a concept where, for instance, we we you know we're a group of friends and we all log on to Zoom and then um, 
we say, okay, we're having a, we're having an eating eating party. So each one of us would order from a different uh, takeaway, but then we would obviously create like um, almost like um, like a web room where we basically we're all eating together. We all you know we can all see each other on the the cameras together, and we're talking about food as if we would be in a restaurant. I think that um, that type of thing could be interesting. But then also like the the takeaway restaurants. Um, you have a lot of concerts, for instance, in Abu Dhabi and uh, Musafa, where you have a, a large production kitchen that actually caters for maybe 10 different outlet restaurants. So if you go online and you order uh, a dish online, um, there's 10 different websites, but all those websites are fed from one kitchen uh, in Musafa. So obviously, this is not you know, this is not a new concept. Maybe they've had it for two, three years already. So that. Um, that obviously is going to is, is is a is a smart way to do it because obviously all your production is on the one roof and you can obviously be different concepts. So it's gonna it's it's like a buffet. We uh, all you can order different things and it comes from the same spot. So it's it's kind of like that. Okay, that's very interesting. Yeah, it'd be very nice to have that that concept of Zoom eating parties. I like that because we we already have Netflix party and this is for movies where you just log in to watch a movie with your friends and you don't even have to see your friends necessarily, but you just simultaneously watching at the same time. If you pause it, movie pauses for everyone. And I think that's really cool. And again, these are things that will carry on for a while. And I think that's really cool, actually. I think we should embrace those things. We have to keep that in mind because it's not, uh, if you look at other viruses that we've had in the past, they, they're still there. Yes. We obviously, we've built some immunity. We've built some uh, um, you know, vaccines and things like that. But those those things are still there. So even uh, if if they come to a point where obviously they reduce the, the numbers of infections and deaths and all that, that virus is always going to be there. So again, these are all things that happen and, and change how we, we look at life and how um, we decide, okay, how are we going to live? How are we going to survive um, mentally as well as physically? So I think it definitely, it, it's going to, it's going to affect how, you know, how our future is. Absolutely. Yeah. So there's something interesting I, I wanted to ask you because you brought up this Netflix party idea and it's, uh, it's, it's uh, sorry, Zoom eating party idea. And uh, so I want to ask you, how, how, how have you connected with your friends or family this summer long? Um, yeah, like I said, mostly no, not, not as much face-to-face, -face, um, mostly telephone calls, WhatsApp, um, medium like that. Um, because at the moment I'm using the, the e-learning more as a professional tool. I've not... I've not really gone into uh, using it as a social tool. Um, I have my other social medias, um, my YouTube and, and um, WhatsApp and all those kind of things. Um, but yeah, it's I'm still I'm still very traditional where technology is concerned. I'm sure the younger ones they you know they're connecting all the time. Um, yeah, like that. Because uh, if, if you if you realize the healthy recently we had something about digital iftar, so people are logging in online, starting a Zoom call, and just having iftar together, but online. So I, that's interesting. I never tried that personally, but I was wondering if people are away from home and someone like yourself, if you want to connect with your friends or family who are abroad or, or just or just not the same house as you, if you had tried that. So it's an interesting concept. Yeah, it's, 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 an, it's an interesting concept. It's, it's something that, that could be fun to do, yeah. So I just wanted to ask you, is this, this is like... Uh, so you told me you, you converted. Uh, I don't know how many years was it. How many years was it? It was 2000, uh, 2010. Okay, Michelle, that's very nice. So this is your first 
Ramadan under lockdown. I mean, for many of us, actually, I don't think anyone has had this kind of. Yeah, we've not. This is for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. So, but still, I mean, ten years and uh, this happens. How, how was it a shock, or was it did it feel very challenging at first, or was it the same? Um, I'm I'm very lucky because I've got a I've got a mindset where whatever happens, I I try and deal with as best I can, and I and I accept where. I have strength and I have weakness, uh, but one strength I have is, is flexibility. So, um, in in life, it's for me, it's it's about you know what life experiences do I have and which life experiences can I actually go after and try and find. Um, so for me, it wasn't. It's I wouldn't say it was uh, difficult. It's just you know getting your mind around the fact that obviously you are restricted. Obviously, we you know we grow up in, in a free society. And now, obviously, for reasons outside of our control, now we have to um, be more uh, restrictive to ourselves. So I think it's just about, um, you know, disciplining my myself. You know, I have this time that I sleep. I have this time that I have to work on work things. And obviously, I have the other time. So it's, yeah, like I said, I didn't find it that challenging. It's just new. It's just a new experience. Okay, that's very interesting because I think I have, I have the same response that, before it happened, I was like counting the days. I'm like, oh my god, we're in, the, in lockdown. Moved, it was full lockdown at the time, and Ramadan was around the corner. I was wondering how, how am I gonna start this year fasting? And I've been doing it for a very long time, but so it was. I was concerned about it, but then uh, with the movement restrictions eased, uh, even without that, I think it would have still been very. It wouldn't have been very challenging. It's surprisingly, working from home. And studying from home as well, uh, time goes by and the day is productive, and uh, it doesn't feel very different actually. When you think about it, actually, it shouldn't be very different because most people would go to work, but after they go back home after shortened hours of work during Ramadan, they go home and they spend their time there to iftar, and they go out a little bit or they spend time with family at home. So there is a lot of home in <laughs> in the situation. You're not, you're not, you're not. It's not super outgoing during Ramadan, it's not super active, so it wasn't very challenging. Yeah. yeah. But then it goes back to the patience part, you know, being patient. It's a part of uh, Ramadan, it's a part of, the, the, of Islam in general, I think, uh, is being patient during times of uncertainty and uh, dealing with it. So I'm happy. I felt it, was, it, it, it went well, so it's going good so far. Yeah, fun. I found that um, uh, I, I've had more of my friends who, during lockdown, had obviously work issues and financial issues um, and where possible you know it was it was you know where I could I could I helped the way possible so that's the, the the biggest difference I've seen obviously because of lockdown um, how it does affect people's financial situations um, I think that's that's probably the biggest effect for those that have not been infected has been the financial impact yeah, times like this, I was always very grateful that we, we can continue our work from home, and because uh, a lot of people were affected by that, and I'm happy that even teachers and uh, chefs such as yourself and were able to continue online uh, smoothly. Just today, I had a class actually online, and and again, that's also another thing I feel will be carrying on for the future. Uh, do you feel that you will still be teaching online even after everything comes down, or that's something out of choice? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm just thinking about the um, 
how the technology is developing because obviously now we do it through the camera and the phone or the camera and the laptop mm -hmm. um, but then eventually you'd have obviously you do have the technology where you can um, create a, a 3d image of something or someone so it might get to the point where um, how the students are receiving your your information and your login is where maybe it, it projects a 3d image of you that is actually as if you are right there to almost have a person-to-person -person contact with it that is obviously with technology. Yes. So I think that uh, that would probably be, the technology is there, but it's not it's not in the mainstream. So I think it would probably develop to the point where you uh, have something like that. So for instance, you'd have, uh, you know, when you have meetings um, and you have uh, uh, some, you know, maybe somebody is in the office or, you, you know, you can see the people around you and they can see you where they are. It basically creates a two-dimensional picture of of those that are in the meeting, okay. the teaching or something like that. Yeah, I think it it'll create opportunities for like being more accessible. You know, and not everyone yeah. can go to class even without the COVID nineteen. Uh, without COVID nineteen, so uh, I think it's it's actually a good opportunity. I always preferred uh, physical classes personally uh, for university. I, I I love going to university. That's that's how I am. I I don't like doing everything online, but I think it's awesome that sometimes I can in the future. Maybe we can sometimes do things online if we, if it's uh, if we can't meet up. You know, that's more efficient. We don't miss classes. I think we're gonna see. I don't think we're gonna see everything online, but I think we're gonna see less canceled classes, less postponed classes, for instance, because we can do it online. Or we're gonna do optional things where you have an option to do things online. Uh, some things in person, maybe some things mixed where you have classes online. But if you have a more hands-on activity. Especially for your view, yeah. maybe, hey, you know what? Okay, today we're going to do it. It's going to be a physical in person class. That's what I think, personally. I think it's a good way to go. Yeah, yeah and in, 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 for instance, for my field where I'm teaching physical skills, basically the, the student would have in their kitchen, they would have the camera set up where they're working. And then as I'm, as I'm basically where I'm working, I can see on my screen all the students that are joined and everybody's doing cutting something and then I can say, ah, oh, then I can speak with one of them and say, okay, uh, you know, just stop, just watch how, how I'm doing it, just focus on my hands and just see how I'm holding my hand and then, uh, then you know, there's that direct contact as if they're standing next to me in the kitchen. Because that, that's, that's what I was trying to do initially when I did the first uh, live session where obviously I'm focusing on the technique, how, how you hold the knife, the knife is sharp, how you actually hold the vegetables, how you're cutting. To get uh, you know to focus on the technique. Okay, very cool. It's kind of strange how um, you know how we, we had things always planned. This will happen, and this will happen, this will happen outside. Now we're all indoors, so our expectation of you know the things up and coming um, is kind of reduced in the sense of you know we have the calendar things that happen. There's obviously there's Easter, there's Ramadan, uh, there's Christmas, there's all these kind of things. But now even even if you think of you know hospitality, think about a hospitality calendar for the year. Think of Abu Dhabi's hospitality calendar. Um, you know you have the expo. Is it going to happen still? Uh, Formula One. Is it going to happen? Think of uh, you know think of Adnex. Think of these um, these companies and these businesses that actually carry the the social calendar of the city. You know what's happening with them. I don't know. So I think our what this is teaching us is that we our expectations are focusing on the the basic things, the really important things in life. Um, I think it's kind of teaching us a life lesson. It's teaching man. Corona is teaching man a life lesson. I think. I agree. Yeah.
it's 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 a challenge in so many ways. I think also in uh, in and also become more advanced. I mean, people always thought that it's everything's an upward, just an upward hill. But I think I always knew that there are going to be things that kind of hinder you from reaching certain goals. But also, you can take these things as an opportunity. So, for instance, you mentioned Expo and and Formula One. There are actually many events companies that, while there are many event companies that did go out of business or just didn't know what to do, many said, you know what, okay, we're, we're going to postpone the official Expo, but for the meantime, we're going to have virtual Expo. Is that something I haven't looked into that very much? But there's going to essentially be a virtual expo, virtual events online. So that's one way. So what's funny is that just today we're having a class at university for disruptive technologies, and I think a time like this is going to accelerate disruptive technologies more than anything. It's a time to yeah. thrive. You know, look look at Zoom for instance, how their how their stocks went up, and uh, anything virtual technology that's going to become that's going to accelerate faster than ever, and uh, with or without Corona, that's going to be a uh, part of our lives in the future. I think so. It's very interesting. Yeah, definitely. That's that's my uh, my thoughts. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, yeah, as a chef, you have to be very up to date with these things as well. I mean, it, it affects your industry. So, uh, when I worked in hospitality, you know, I was surprised by how much technology and and how much AI and all these things was definitely had a lot to do with cooking and. and being a chef, working in the kitchen. Yeah. Well, I understand you have a channel, a YouTube channel. If people want to reach out to you or, or watch your videos or get content, is, do you have an account you'd like to share with with everyone? Or It's a foodie professor on YouTube. Okay, foodie yeah, professor. I professor on okay. YouTube. And then obviously the, I have Instagram, which is uh, uh, Bismillah Food Trucks with some pictures and some ideas as well. Okay. And uh, what about your classes? Uh, how, how can people reach out to you for the class for classes that you teach? Uh, basically, this if they send me an email, then I can. Uh, in some cases, I have just individual students that are looking for a class. Then, again, when I do the because I use Click Meeting, uh, if I do the actual connection, then I will just send it the invitation to their email. Um, and then when I do have the video, if I have their WhatsApp number, then I can share the video uh, from uh, WhatsApp. Are from YouTube to them to their WhatsApp. Okay, very good. Because I, I think it's because obviously if I do a, a video which I then edit and I add later, it's easier mm -hmm. to train people. They can only follow um, if I do a live session, but again, it's um, the thing is, I because I'm I'm, I'm a little bit of a perfectionist on something, so how does it look? What, you know, what am I actually saying? You know, is there, uh, is there enough effect? You know, sometimes I add slow motion. Uh, to give more effect. So then I find if I do the video, I edit it, then I use that as the actual training tool where I have some comments and then I just give additional instruction. And then that video they can then take and then they can watch it and they can then follow it as if they, they have a cooking instructor with them. Okay, very good. Thank, thank you, uh, Chef. Uh, this was fun. Yeah, it was. Thank you so much. Pleasure. Uh, enjoy your evening and uh, inshallah we'll speak very soon. Inshallah, we'll speak very soon. Inshallah, also soon we'll see each other in person <laughs> and continue filming. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> One day. <laughs> thank One you. Day, inshallah. Good night. Thank you. Well, thank you. Have a good night. That's it for this week. If you liked the podcast, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. We'll see you next time on the livehealthy.ae podcast.